Hi, this is ETF.com's Exchange Traded Fridays podcast, a weekly podcast covering developments in the ETF industry. My name is Sumit Roy, and I'm Senior Analyst for ETF.com. And I'm Jeff Benjamin, Wealth Management Editor here at ETF.com. This week, we're talking with Rob Harvey, Co-Head of Product Specialist and Vice President at Dimensional Fund Advisors. Welcome, Rob. Glad you could be here. Thanks for helping us out today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I've been following uh, Dimensional's move into the ETF space. We all have for a few years, and we want to kind of talk about your strategy. So with that in mind, uh, obviously, DFA has made an aggressive move into the ETF space over the past few years. And can you give us an update on that strategy, sort of how you got to where you are right now? Yeah, I mean, the strategies worked really well from our perspective, from a variety of different metrics that you think about. And really, the impetus for us was the rule, 6C11 rule coming about that enabled us to enter into the ETF space in a way that we think is very unique, differentiated. We haven't seen it before. And, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well as we kind of get more in depth into what we're doing. But, you know, the strategy for us is take what you know and love about mm-hmm. dimensional mutual funds and offer them in an ETF wrapper, along with a couple other new strategies that are exclusive to our ETFs. It's gone over really well. So we've seen tremendous growth here. Um, net new flows across the product suite. The product suite is obviously grown. We're past 100 billion at this point. We've got 38 ETFs in the lineup. So, you know, and that number is growing. It's been a positive experience for us overall. Rob, could you uh, tell us, you know, what the size of DFA's ETF footprint is today? And how does that compare to what you have on the mutual fund side? Yeah. So, I mean, just in this year alone, we've launched eight new ETFs, which brings us to 38 total in the product suite. When you look at the mutual fund side, it's closer to 100. But, you know, when you think about the time frame that it took us to get to these milestones, the 38 that we've had on the ETFs has happened over the course of just over three years. It took 40 years for us to build the mutual fund product suite that we have. So in the ETF space, we've really you know, come roaring onto the scene, and it's been tremendously successful from that standpoint. It's not just the count of strategies either. You also see it reflected in the AUM. As I said, we're the largest uh, active ETF issuer out there in the market, over $100 billion right now. We've seen really strong flows. So, you know, we expect to see that number increase over time as well. So not a complete replica of the mutual fund lineup that we have, but it's definitely grown quickly and it's been well-received by investors. We know DFA has an extremely loyal following among financial advisors. And I think I've talked to people in the past that over there at your shop that said that that was a, you know, that kind of feedback was uh, largely drip, was largely driving your move into the ETF space. Can you give us an idea of the kind of feedback you're hearing about this move uh, into ETFs among advisors? Are they, are they just completely loving it or are they, uh, are they, kind of still on both sides of the fence using your mutual funds and your ETFs? I mean, overall, advisors are completely loving it. We we partner with all kinds of different financial professionals. So if you think about, you know, institutional uh, clients or you have, you know, funds that are sort of in a DC lineup, for example, you know, that the taxable component of that maybe isn't as important. And so we have those investors in our client base who are sticking with mutual funds. Overall, the advisors that we work with are extremely excited to be able to offer what people know about Dimensional, you know, sort of our our philosophy, our implementation, our, our low cost in a new wrapper. And so we've we've had a lot of success there. 
it's not only been pleasing for the existing advisors that we partner with, but also it's opened the door to a lot more conversations with other financial professionals that are ETF exclusive that we were only able to access once we entered into this space. You know, this evolution really isn't very surprising to us. The reaction from advisors isn't surprising because, you know, it was it was their input that we took when we entered into this space in the first place. We wanted to make sure that if we were going to launch a new type of product, like getting into ETFs, that they would be well-received, that it is something that people wanted. So it's been positive. We've, we're excited about the growth, but it hasn't been a surprise. Rob, you talked about that absolutely torrid growth you've seen in your ETFs. What do you attribute that to? What's causing such massive growth? And are you seeing any cannibalization of your mutual fund assets? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about the, the growth, first of all, because I think Dimensional found itself in a real sweet spot out there in the industry. And you have people who uh, sort of align themselves more with traditional stock picking active management, and the performance hasn't been great, by and large. We know that active managers who are picking stocks, highly concentrated, high conviction portfolios, tend to not do very well. They tend to underperform their benchmarks on a net of fees basis. So hard to get excited about that if you're an investor. But on the other hand, when you think about um, the rise in indexing and how attractive, you know, sort of quote unquote passive investing is out there in the market too, that's also not very exciting for investors who can only ever perform as good as the benchmark that they're tracking, if not worse, because of fees. And there's a lot of problems with tracking indices as well. Um, and, and more of that is coming to light now than, than ever before. So investors are more aware of the shortfalls associated with indexing. And so if you're not excited about indexing and you're not excited about traditional stock picking active management, then maybe systematic active is a good place for you to be. And so we have a lot of investors who are attracted to a time-tested approach that has long-term performance. Like I said, we've been around for 40 years. It just hasn't been in the ETF space for that long. You know, with the greatest minds in modern financial theory backing you, we have Nobel Prize winners who we partner with very closely to tell us about, you know, more about the research we can implement in our portfolios. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. You have low-cost, well-diversified solutions similar to indexing, but we do seek to outperform. Like you, you, you also have the objective in traditional stock picking active management, um, but our track record there has been really, really strong, uh, you know, since the time that we've, we've been around and, and, and we expect that to continue in the future as well. In terms of the cannibalization, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think about it in that way, I guess. It would be really weird for us to launch ETFs and to have none of our existing clients go and invest in those ETFs. You would hope that you, you know, would create a product that your existing investors would be excited about. And that's definitely happened. So we have seen some shift from, you know, advisors in particular who are moving from our mutual funds to our ETFs. And that's great. We have, as I said before, many investors who want to stick with mutual funds. We're attracting new business into mutual funds and ETFs. So it's really more just about empowering investor choice. What kind of vehicle do you want to have access to Dimensional in? You know, we have it available in multiple flavors, and it's really up to the end investors. We've seen strong interest in both. That's great, Rob. And you mentioned, you know, investors are familiar with, you know, traditional active, they're familiar with uh, index-based funds, but what is systematic active for people who aren't familiar with that? Yeah. So systematic active really, you know, you can kind of define it in multiple different ways. And, you know, people I hear de define dimensional in multiple different ways. They talk about 
smart beta. They talk about factor investing. You know, we're kind of the OG of all of that type of strategies out there that you see. For our perspective, what it is, is you identify an area of the market that has higher expected returns. For example, in our equity strategies, we know small caps tend to outperform large caps over longer periods. And then what you do in your strategies is you target those areas in the market with higher expected returns consistently over time. So you don't see dimensional flip-flopping between value and growth or small cap and large cap. You know, If you're aligned with us, if you believe what the research tells you about where returns come from in the market, then you don't have a reason to deviate from that. And we don't. So you know, investors get a very consistent experience from us. It's not necessarily that Small caps are going to outperform in every single year. We know they won't. That's impossible in, in any asset class that you choose. But when you pick up your statement at the end of the quarter, there's no surprises. You know exactly what you're going to get, dimensionals sticking to our guns over time. The process evolves, of course. There's always new research coming to light that we can incorporate into our strategies to make them more efficient or improve returns even more. Um, but what you know about dimensional from 30 years ago is still in place in our strategies today. It's just gotten even better. And so I think that's comforting for investors who may have trouble navigating the market and figuring out where should I go based on geopolitical events or you know, the macroeconomic picture. And we have a lot of data to support that, you know what, when you when you subscribe to the views that we have with the systematic investing, then you can kind of ignore that out there because ultimately what we're pursuing in our strategies is time-tested across lots of different cycles, different countries, different sectors. Rob, as you've uh, ma migrated into the ETF space, has DFA made any missteps you can talk to us about? Just things like, oh, well, we're new to this, so we uh, maybe shouldn't have done that or we, we could have done that better? I, I really can't think of any missteps. There were certainly things that were new to us. And so I can talk about that a little bit. You know, when you think about sort of that alignment that we have with financial professionals, you'd mentioned that earlier, you have, you know, advisors who have 100% wallet share with Dimensional, for example. And, and before we had ETFs, they didn't really know how to trade ETFs, right? In a mutual fund, it's very simple. You get the nav strike at the end of the day. So you don't have to worry about when you place your trade because, you know, you're going to get, you know, that nav strike and, and, and that's that. With ETFs, it was very different because it's not just about... Us understanding, you know, avoiding the open, the close, FOMC announcements, that kind of thing, thinking about crossing bid ask spreads, thinking about price improvement. It's more than that, because what we really care about is the investor experience. So it's not just dimensional, you know, bringing on a capital markets team, which was new for us. We didn't have that, obviously, before we had ETFs. It's about making sure that we get that message out there to investors and say, here are some of the things that you need to be thinking about when you go to market to place your trades with ETFs, uh, because this is what we think is going to give you the best experience. So certainly not a missed up, but it's definitely something that, you know, when I joined in 2016, we didn't have. And that's just been an evolution on our side. I think if you're going to offer ETFs, you have to also offer the support for investors to make sure that their experience is as good as it can be. Rob, can you talk to us about what kind of ETFs you currently have on the market? what you might launch in the future and what you probably won't launch in the future. I assume you're not going to get into uh, cryptocurrency ETFs or anything like that. Before I get to uh, us not launching cryptocurrency ETFs, which I think is, is a, probably a pretty good bet, let me first talk about sort of our strategy on, on going to market. What we don't want to do is launch a strategy that we're not sure about because we don't have research on. And we also don't want to launch a strategy just because everybody else is doing it. 
So, you know, the, the idea that, well, there's market share maybe that you could capture by doing something that's exactly the same as what's out there isn't really getting us out of bed in the morning. What we want to make sure that we're doing is bring something unique and differentiated to the market that's consistent with the rigorous approach that we have to vetting ideas here at Dimensional. And so what that means is with the ETF product suite, you know, a lot of those ideas that were very successful in mutual funds port well into the ETF space. So you do see sort of brother sister strategies across ETFs and mutual funds, but the landscape evolves over time as well. And so there are ETFs that we've launched that don't have mutual fund brother or sisters um, just because of client demand. So large cap vector is a good example of that. We only have it in an ETF flavor. Um, you know, if you want to really emphasize profitability within large caps, this is a great way for you to be able to do it. Also, our core equity market solutions, <clears throat> which are some of my favorite strategies that we have here at Dimensional. Essentially, you know, we've had investors come to us over time, particularly those who were uh, very interested in indexing and say, hey, you know, I, I really like what you guys do. I get the implementation. I like the premiums. I just want to make sure that I can have it in a lower tracking error environment. We can do that. You can turn the, the knobs in terms of how much exposure you get to the premiums while still maintaining higher expected returns and low costs. And so you, you've sort of seen this, this development from us where we're launching what we know, what we believe in, in different flavors. And that kind of gives you an indication and sort of a forecast about what we will and won't be doing in the future. So what I expect us to do is continue to launch ETFs that meet investor needs and demands uh, of what they are sort of missing in their portfolio. And, and right now you can build a comprehensive portfolio with dimensional ETFs exclusively. Um, but it has to be done in a way that we think has high integrity in the sense that we believe what what what's going into that fund and we think it's going to perform well. And of course, the opposite side of that is, you know, speculating on you know, new hot trends or things that, you know, maybe have a lot of demand right now, but we don't really see a way to be differentiated or valuable. Uh, I wouldn't expect us to enter in that space. Certainly none of the research that we have about cryptocurrencies, for example, is going to is going to spur us to do anything in that space. So I wouldn't expect it, but I definitely will. will you can definitely expect to have more ETFs launch in the future from Dimensional. Um, it just has to be able to fit those criteria. Well, never say never on crypto, but uh, where is uh, DFA on the subject of mutual fund conversions? Have you done any? Are you thinking about any? Yeah, and the conversions is an interesting topic because we, we have converted seven from our mutual funds to our to our ETFs. The seven that converted were all tax managed strategies before they converted. And so obviously in ETFs in particular, you have an additional tool available to you to help manage the taxes through the in-kind mechanism of create redeems. That's useful. And so those strategies converted very early on into our foray into the ETF space. We don't have any other existing tax managed commingled vehicles right now on the mutual fund side that are sort of waiting to convert. So there's nothing in the pipeline. It doesn't mean that it won't necessarily happen, but there's just nothing that's out there right now where we think that it's that there's a, a large demand out there to convert to to an ETF. Okay. And then what about uh, ETF share classes? That's something that some fund companies have uh, tried to jump on that bandwagon as the uh, the patent expired from Vanguard. 
Yeah, definitely. And we're, we're definitely one of those companies that are sort of uh, for, you know, entering the, the foray and, 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 and asking for relief in that sense as well. I don't know that I'd say that we're on the bandwagon with that. I think we're probably, when you think about the arguments that we've made about why we think it would be a good fit for us to have share classes um, in our mutual funds, ETF share classes in our mutual funds, the arguments that you see are very different from what you get in other asset managers. Everybody kind of has the scale argument, right? When you have more assets accumulated in a single vehicle, there's scale to be had, and that's a good thing. So that's true with us as well. But really what I've seen from us is something that's pretty differentiated in the way that we think about turnover and costs, which is a major consideration about why you would or would not allow a, a, a ETF share class for a mutual fund. And, and a lot of that revolves around, well, who pays the bill for turnover that may or may not do anything beneficial in the portfolio? So if you think about an indexed strategy, anytime that you have you know, applications or redemptions coming into the fund, there's obviously costs associated with buying and selling securities. If you have a pro rata approach to doing that, where you know your portfolio doesn't change overall, you're just buying and selling miniature snapshots of whatever the portfolio holds, then that is purely a cost argument where you just have to try to mitigate those costs as much as possible and think about how you spread them. I don't think that's necessarily as compelling as what we have and what we've put forward, which is you know, dimensional when you have flexibility in your approach, which we do, then that allows turnover to actually benefit you over time. So I mentioned before that we have these premiums that we focus on. If in a market-wide portfolio, you're targeting smaller securities, then in your create baskets, you can, you know, bring in more of those small cap securities to help you achieve those expected returns that you're looking for. And on the way out in redemption baskets, you can kind of, you know, uh, reduce the weight in large cap growth names, for example. And so for us, the turnover that you would incur by having those share classes put together is actually a good thing that both ETF and mutual fund share classes would benefit from that. And so I think we've made a very powerful argument that's very different from what you see other asset managers saying out there. I certainly have seen a lot of activity. You're going to expect to see more and more of that, like you said, after the patent rolled off. But this is something we've been arguing for for some time. It's it's not just, you know, the case that the, it, the patent rolled off and we decided to, to get into this. We're, we've been, you know, kind of making this argument and, and building our case over time. And I think you can see that thoughtfulness come through in our approach and in the materials that we've published as well. Mm -hmm. Well, good stuff, Rob. Uh, really, a uh, uh... Appreciate the insight into what uh, Dimensional has got going on in the ETF space. We'll we'll certainly continue to watch you and and uh, see where you're where you're headed next. Definitely. Thank you so much for having us on, listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find this and all other Exchange Traded Fighters episodes on ETF.com or on any major podcast platform. See you next week.